The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. It's Hoop Ball Grizz. Regular season's over. Postseason's over. The COVID season for the Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> has finally finished up. Still got playoff basketball going on. I've been watching actually quite a bit of basketball today. I watched... Um, I was working some, so I didn't get to watch as much of the Liberty game that I wanted to, but I did get to see, uh, you know, they, they were fighting with the aces, just didn't have an answer for uh, the reigning MVP. Asia Wilson was cooking them and then just finished up the Portland Nuggets series. We are going to not talk to you about all of that stuff. We're going to talk about the Grizzlies. We're going to recap the season. I'm off down a rabbit trail, not even a minute into it, man. How's it going, Isaac? Man, man, doing good. Um, and, and to go back to that Liberty game, uh, real quick, and I know we're not gonna again like get in depth. <laughs> excuse me, get in depth with this. Uh, but yeah, man, just tough. It's too much size, man. Natasha Howard's out uh, with a, uh, I think an MCL for four to six weeks, and they just don't have a lot of size inside. They're starting starting second year uh, for Kylie Shook at center, and she just gives up a lot of size to Cam Bay, Jason Wilson. That whole team is big. I mean, everybody, even their guards are are much bigger than Liberty players. They just gave them too many problems. They gave a hell of a run. I mean, they came back and, and made it a close game. That final score is not indicative of where the game went. It was kind of a free throw, march to the free throw line at the end of that game. I mean, it, it was probably a three or four point game in essence, but uh, they, they fought hard. But yeah, without without Natasha Howard, man, it's going to be tough when they go up against those big teams like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was watching, like I said, I, I was kind of in and out of it because of, of work. Um, I saw probably three or four plays there where they were just playing off of Asia Wilson and she had the ball top of the key and just not, yeah, just giving her too much space, man. You got, you got to play up on her. She can shoot those shots and just rely on your help defense. If she blows by you. And as so, you said, the Denver Nuggets uh, close out the series against Portland, which I was surprised. I thought uh, Portland would force the force a game seven, but it was not to be. And a lot of questions with that trailblazers team. Um, and, and I like go back up. to that. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that later on once we once we got to the end. A couple things, non grizzly related topics I wanted to get into real quick before we got out of here. But uh, before we do anything else, man, th- there's something that I want to address. Uh, there was a lot of negativity um, on the timeline last night, and ironically, a lot of it was coming from the this is a developmental season crowd that no matter what happened this season is gravy, and most of those people even said, well, this. Team's not really good enough anyway to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. And this particular crowd gave me a lot of pushback on some of the ideas I had early in the season about some of the things that were were going on. So they get they get to a series with the number one seed and competed their asses off uh, in, in this series. And they're coming out with these hot takes of I don't know if, if Taylor Jenkins long term is going to be the guy. We need to get rid of JV. Blah blah blah, and, and I understand the frustration. I mean, I, I, there's going to be no negativity for me, but I understand the frustration. I mean, JV does struggle in the pick, pick and roll, but what I'm trying to tell people is, Gobert is probably the worst matchup in the league for him. I mean, the, 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 the thing with JV is there always there's always give and take with him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. always he struggles in the, in the pick and roll with everybody, but the difference with with Gobert and the Jazz is going up against Gobert, he doesn't negate it with that offensive and rebounding output that he usually gets against other guys, and, and that's why it looks so bad in this series. JV is the same guy he's always been, and just yeah, seems like man. people have kind of watched this series and saw what happened in these five games, and they're thinking, oh, well, he's not the guy anymore, and some of these people were on the train of JV, and now they jumped off, and I, I just think last night people were 
looking too much into what they saw in the series. I mean, it was the number one versus number eight. Grizzlies were significant underdogs in all these games. And, again, man, they fought tooth and nail and went in these games to the end, all except game five. A couple shots here and there, a couple bounces, a couple calls here and there. They could have they could have been in this series. could have been a completely different series. So, uh, it, it's just it's ironic that a, a lot of people that were saying that it didn't matter, this team wasn't good enough anyway, just had comments on this team struggling against the, the number one seed, the best team in the league. And I just thought that was kind of kind of funny. But, I mean, yeah. to me, you go ahead. Yeah, the the thing about it, we we have known all season where JV shortcomings have been. We we know that his pick and roll defense is is subpar. I'm not gonna say not good because there's some things that he does very well yeah. on the defensive end of the floor. The Utah Jazz are literally like they're they're one of the best teams in basketball. They're top two in pick and roll, and you can argue they may be the best team because of the the number of different guys that they have that can run it and run it effectively. You're gonna get exposed in a in a series when you're matching up against this team night in and night out. They're gonna know what your weaknesses are, and they're gonna attack those weaknesses. I am fine moving JV. If the price is right, but I was fine moving JV before this series. Yeah, and, and, and I, I don't here. like. I, I'm I'm not jumping on the train of oh we they've got to dump him because he was terrible in this series. He was not great in this series because of the matchup, and that was it. That you know, if the Grizzlies match up against Phoenix in the first round, JV may have been a 2020 like walk in 2020 in that series. Because Phoenix didn't have anybody to match his physicality. Gobert is probably the only guy in the NBA that's going to be bigger and that good at defense. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, you know, that's all this is. So, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's hard to stay balanced as a fan when you're watching. There's a lot of ups and downs, emotions kind of get you into it. But I, I try not to roll on players as much as this fan base does. There, there's a lot of people out there that are very quick to roll on players, and I'm not going to hammer on that because we've discussed this before. But, yeah, I, I, I saw that, and I really didn't – I was on Twitter for a while at the beginning of the game, and I was tweeting here and there, and then I just started seeing all of this, you know, toxic stuff, and I'm yeah. like, okay <laughs> – I'm not even going to get into it. And, and, you know, I I engaged in one conversation with a guy and I didn't really know where it was going to go at first. And you never know on Twitter. Some people get defensive and think you're trying to like, you know, just bad mouth them or whatever. And it started off a little rocky, but we ended up having a decent conversation whenever it comes down to it. And, And I didn't agree with what he was saying. He didn't necessarily agree what I was saying, but we were able to have the conversation and not turn it into, uh, you know, let's trash talk each other. And that's what I love. But, you know, I, I love the engagement. I love having those types of conversations. You know, sometimes somebody else can give you something and make you change the way you're looking at something. And, and you can see things that you didn't expect. So, you know, this this guy didn't think that uh, he said his initial tweet was Taylor Jenkins has not made a single defensive adjustment <laughs> yeah, in this entire I, series. I saw that. And I'm like, all right, bro. I hadn't been biting all night long, but you're not watching these games. <laughs> like, 
I, I just they they did. They lost the series. They were supposed to lose that series. Did I have faith in them thinking at one point that maybe they had a chance? I did because they played very, very well. The Jazz did not have, uh, up until game five, the Jazz had not had a great game against this Grizzlies team in this series. The Jazz had a great game. It was game five. That's where it went down. They couldn't miss. They were executing. When the Grizzlies made a mistake, they were making them pay for it. Everything that the Jazz needed to do, everything rolled their way in game five, and that's why it got out of hand. So kudos to this young Grizzly squad, the coaching staff, top to bottom, everybody, because this season was phenomenal. I cannot wait to see what happens in this offseason, the draft, and you know, j- just moving forward. Big news from the Grizzlies today. We don't know how long. We don't know the terms on the deal. We don't know any of that. But uh, Zach Kleiman and the Memphis Grizzlies have agreed upon an extended uh, contract to keep him around long term. And he has definitely earned that, done some great things. The mainstream media has no idea what he's done. You could tell by what Woj was tweeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I you know, Rose, he, I was like, yeah, he gave him credit for, for Jerry Jackson. I was like, he's yeah, done some great nah. things, man. We want to give him credit for, for, for a lot of things, but I mean, can't give him credit for credit for that one. But uh, to kind of go back to what we were saying a second ago, it, it's not just Grizzlies fans. We're not jumping on here, hopping on Grizzlies fans, but it's just a lot of, what I've seen lately type of stuff from this fan base during this playoff run. And I, and I just don't get it. I mean, it's just so quick to you, you go back to last year and you talk about Jerry and everybody loved what Jerry could. You, you didn't see any of this negativity toward Jerry that he's been out for a year, almost comes back and, and has some struggles. And, and now people said, I don't know if he's a, a part of this future. We, I don't know if he can be the second best player on this team, blah, blah, blah. And you saw none of that. And you got to understand, you got to put it in context. Uh, this guy's been almost out almost a year. You put him back in the middle of a playoff race, you're going to get to a one seed, and, and he played well. I mean, I was really impressed with what I saw from him, especially in, in game in, in the last three games. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the first two games, but even in, in, in his minutes at center, uh, this team was better defensively on the floor with him at center than they were with JV at center, and that's really encouraging. His rebound numbers were up. Uh, he was doing some, some good stuff on the defensive end. The only thing that wasn't there was his shot, and he was still scoring uh, points. His, his three-point shot wasn't there, and, I, and I'm not worried about that at all. I, I know that'll come back. I think we've seen enough of a sample size to know that he's going to be a good three-point shooter. So I, I'm, I'm encouraged with what I saw from, from Jaron. But you look at the season overall, there's no negativity from me. I mean, you look at everything this team went through. I mean, you don't have Jaron for 90% of the season. Job missed time. I mean, you had guys in and out. You had a, a, a COVID parking. Uh, just you had a rough, rough. I mean, brutal second half schedule. Um, and then you you end up in a play in, and, and they took the scenic route. I've said it a couple times. They weren't the seven or eight seed. Uh, they go out to Oakland, had an opportunity to get the eight seed. You lose that game. You dust yourself off. Go beat San Antonio in a nine and ten game, and go back out to Oakland uh, with with a, a playoff of a seating on the line, and you. Uh, you go play out berth on the line, you go out there and knock out Steph Curry. And that's not small time stuff. I mean, to knock out one of the greatest players in the game on their home floor with a playoff spot on the line. I mean, that's, that's big time stuff. And you go into a one, eight series where you're a heavy underdog and, and you fight you in every game except game five. And I even give them a pass in game five. I mean, at that point you might physically want to do it, but I think it's mental fatigue and inevitability of 
we're not beating this team three times in a row is probably in the back of your mind, and you just can't just get Everlands. This team's already good. It's just just a, a microcosm of everything, and you just have a poor performance, and I, and I can understand that. Uh, but I, I think this team did phenomenal this season. As you said, I can't wait for, for the future. The future is bright, and I think I'm even more encouraged than I was before this series. I see a lot of people kind of going the other way, the other way with it. And, it's, and again, it's weird because so many of these people were on the train of, again, that this season didn't matter, that it, whatever happened, it was gravy. So I'm trying to figure out how now you're, like, upset with what you're seeing. And this team's in one, one in eight matchup, and they're struggling against the eighth seed. And you're wondering what's going on when you were saying this season didn't matter and everything that happened was gravy. So at that point, if you were on that line of thinking, once they made the playoffs, you should have been 100% good. So I don't understand how you're complaining about stuff. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either, man. I, uh, like I said, I, I'm happy with the things that happened this year, happy with the way, like, the growth that we got to see from a lot of these guys. John, um, oh, man, I just lost her last name. She, I think she's from Channel 5, uh, Cassie. Uh, Car- Carson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she said, uh, she tweeted out, she's like, um, what are you going, how are you going to remember this Grizzly season? And to me, like, and I said, I responded to the tweet of John Morant, John Morant announced himself as an absolute threat. Coming out we, party. We, we knew that. As Grizzlies fans, we already knew what he was and what he was capable of. But now the whole world knows. And that's huge for not only him, but for the city, for the team, the and what happens with this team moving forward. You know, good talent attracts good talent. So when you get into this free agent market for Memphis being a small market team that is not traditionally a free agent destination, they look at the Grizzlies and they see a guy like John ja Morant and what he's doing and the level that he got to this year. Okay. I want to go and play with that guy. I see him. I see his fight. I see his heart. I see what he brings to the table. I want to go and play with that guy. And so I, I think that that is among other things going to draw good talent to the Grizzlies. We're heading into the off season. Now the only really free agent that the Grizzlies have going into this off season is justice Winslow you and I have discussed this contract before. It's, it's a uh, a team option. I've got it pulled up here. Let me switch over. Yeah, and real Winslow. quick, I was going to say real. Ahead. I was going to say real quick while you while you pulling it up. And that's there was two reasons why coming into this season. I, I was always on if if you can make the playoffs, make them. Um, and, and again, a lot of people was just thinking, okay, well, it, it, whatever happens, it, it it happens. But the two reasons why I wanted them to make the playoffs, you kind of just touched on one of them. It allow Jai and Dylan and these guys to put up big-time performances on a national stage. And I wanted that because, again, being a small market team, the Grizzlies aren't on TV a lot. A lot of people, and you can tell by some of the comments that you see from fans outside of Memphis, they've never watched the Memphis Grizzlies game in their life. I saw one Utah Jazz fan talking the other day. He said he had never even heard of Dylan Brooks until they matched up in game one. He said he couldn't yeah. even told you if he could have picked Dylan Brooks out of a lineup. And and that's, that's why I wanted these guys to have this opportunity on the national stage. And I think, especially for Ja and, and DB, I think they really had their coming out party. And I think they put the league on notice, again, that this Memphis Grizzlies team is going to be up. They're up and coming, and they're going to be here for a long time. The second reason is 
they they just missed off on the playoffs last year. And I wanted these guys to have this experience. There's no better experience than actually being there. You can't replicate that any other way. And I think this that's only going to make these guys hungry. I think this was good for them. You made a good point about the potential matchups, whether it was Utah, Denver, or Phoenix. You play Denver and Phoenix, you might lose those series, but I don't think you have to make a whole lot of adjustments. You just go in there and do what you do against those two teams. Against Utah, even though it was a tougher matchup, I think not only the players, the coaching staff as well, it forced them to to make adjustments. What, what Go Gobert does and the way they can shoot three-pointers, and it's kind of your weakness in the pick-and-roll defense that they just pick-and-roll you to death. That forced them to attempt to make adjustments, even though in the end it didn't work. I think in the long term, I think they'll be better for it. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree, man. That that is the guys in the post game presser. They were talking about they were the hungers there. We'll be back. Jaron was ready to get get. Yeah, he was fired up, man. Work. He wanted to he get his in right you know, then. You could you yeah, could feel it. He he wasn't ready to stop playing. So you know it, it's all. Even though they lost the game, there I didn't really see a whole lot of like defeated head hanging. Yeah. You know they they were not defeated, even in the loss they were they were not defeated. So, you know go, going back to the the Winslow thing, that that is the only free agent, and we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about all the players on the roster, and, and I'm gonna start here with him, and then then I'll let you take over. We can go in whatever direction you want, but. You're looking at the club option $13 million, 13 million. Yeah. Justice Winslow contract. We we have talked about um, Brevin, when he came on the show with us, he talked about the Grizzlies need a playing veteran. If the Grizzlies sign Justice Winslow to the, if, if they pick up this option and you and I previously had been on the same page on this and, and I want to know where you're at right now if they pick up that option that pretty well takes them out of getting anybody else, unless there's a trade, obviously, but if they pick up that option, you're not going to go out and get another free agent more than likely. Yeah. So, I, I, I was going to say, I, I, I was going to say I've wavered on that uh, as of late, like before, and we've talked about this a lot. Um, I would have said, I thought for sure that they were still going to pick it up. Even after he, he was benched and wasn't getting any minutes anymore. At that point, I still, thought they were going to pick it up now I'm, I'm, I'm i think i'm on a little bit of a different train of thought i thought i think looking at this this series i thought there were opportunities to possibly deploy him again as a defensive mercenary you know not going to get much from him offensively but i thought there was opportunities to get him in a game to kind of protect dylan a little bit from fouls and when that didn't happen it, it to me looks like they're just completely done with him um and I, at, at this point, I would say that they probably don't pick it up, and I've been emphatic that they would. Um, I talked about this earlier. I was on a John Harden show. We were on Sports 56. And I talked about talked with him about that earlier today. I don't. I, at this point, I don't think they pick up that option. I think they 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 need that flexibility. I think you look at this team, um, and I, I think they make the playoffs. I think you want to make some type of move to to improve this roster. And like you said, if you you pick up that option. There's not going to be really much you can do as far as bringing in players outside of outside of a trade. So at this point, I, I don't think they pick up that option. I, I just I think they invested a, a lot of time in them, but I think they go ahead and admit that it was a mistake. Uh, I mean, I, I I still think there could be some value there if they get him a, a off season where he's healthy, working with his team, build chemistry at the training camp. But again, I, I just think that they move on from him, and I, and I don't think they pick it up. 
Yeah. I mean, so I'll say this. If they pick that up, if they pick the option up, I don't have an issue with it. I don't. They they can they overachieved, or many say they overachieved this season with the roster. You can run it back next season with the same roster, bring it back. There's no chemistry changes. There's no locker room changes. You have an offseason for Desmond Bain to get better, an offseason for Xavier Tillman to get better, Jaron Jackson, all of these young pieces that showed promise this, this season. Look at the jump that Ja made from year one to year two. And you know, then what he done in the playoffs. Dylan Brooks from last year to this year and what he done in the playoffs. Is it possible that they could be a four or five seed with this same roster next year without making any moves? Yeah, you're, and you're gonna have you're gonna have Jaron Jackson, which is arguably an all star type talent, coming back fully healthy coming into the season. So without without doing anything else you're not going to have Jaron coming back being rusty, being off from a year. And this team, look, they, listen, they lost this series four to one against Utah, but they gave them everything that they wanted, man. Yeah, the, I mean, the, it, the it, could have like, it could have been, a, the, like I said, a couple bounces the other way, and he, they could have won two or three. It could have been two, two grids, or, I mean, I mean it, they played their tails off in the series. Jazz did not dominate outside of game five the way. You you thought they would they should have yeah yeah the, the way that everybody expected the Jazz to dominate this series happened one out of five games, that's it. So if they pick it up and they run it back, I'm not going to be butthurt over it. I'm going to be fine with it. But I'm looking at the list of free agents around this price range and the money that the Grizzlies would have. You know, there there's the pipe dream of Demar Derozan, and I'll be honest with you, I don't you know for as far as the window. I'm not a fan of yeah. going out and getting a 32-year-old yeah. DeMar DeRozan. And to me, he doesn't give you what you need. Yeah, he doesn't. He's, he's an average defender. He is not, you know, like he's he's got a mid-range. That's yeah. his game. He He's not a three-point shooter. So he's not a guy that's on the radar for me. That, so I, I'm just kind of looking here right around that $13 million range. You've got a guy like J.J. Redick has playoff <laughs> experience. He's been in the playoffs a number of different times throughout his career. He's an older guy, but that is a veteran that could play for you. I'm not a huge fan of his because he can't spell defense, but he is a good shooter. The Grizzlies need more of that. And then you go up, you got Denver He and Denver, Will Barton. You know, he, he no. has a player option, and and I don't know that he, you know, he may not want to leave Denver because of what they're doing up there. You know, they, they just beat the Portland, uh, a good Portland Trailblazers team, yeah. moving on to the second round without their second best player. So he may want to stick around and say, hey, you know, I've, I've got a legitimate shot at winning the title with this team next year if everybody's healthy, so I'm going to pick it up. So that may not be an option, but he's but, a guy yeah, that yeah, in that yeah. prize point, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you're asking me, Will Barton or, or Justice Winslow, I like Will well, Barton. Will Barton, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always thought he would be a great fit. I mean, he has the history here as well. Of course, played at the University of Memphis. That's potentially the type of guy that they need a guy that can get buckets. I mean, that's to, to, to go along with Ja, a guy that can shoot from the perimeter, uh, and a guy that's just a mercenary that's coming in and get buckets, and he fits that, that to a T. I mean, you saw that game up, up in Denver. Uh, during during that seven game road trip, where he just lit the Grizzlies up. I mean, I think that would be be fantastic, and and I think that's a, a big question of this offseason. I think 
how much do the Grizzlies push it? Do they decide to, like you said, run it back and pick up Justice Winslow? Because if they do, I, you know what I don't have a problem with it. I've always been a, been a fan of his potential and what I think he could be if he got the opportunity to be healthy, a uh, full offseason, all of that. So I wouldn't have any problem with it. Or do they push it? I mean, do they see that this team, like you said, was right in there with the number one seed and a couple more guys here and there, or maybe a trade, a free agent signing, get lucky to draft and get another guy that, that kind of fits what you're doing could be four or five seed next year. Uh, maybe they decide to push it. I think that's kind of going to be the question of this offseason. That's why it's so intriguing, and I'm really looking forward to it because this thing could go a lot of different ways. But I think at some point between now and next year's trade deadline, they're going to make some kind of significant move. I have no doubt about that. It's just how significant yeah, and, it is and, and how much they want to push it. My, my thing is this. If if you're heading into next year's trade deadline, you sign a free agent this offseason, you need another piece, man. You don't really have contracts to move to go get anybody. You know, and that's the thing about the Winslow contract. That they have they have guys, so they have guys that are on good contracts that they can move. That you know, like if you decide that Melton is not it, you can yeah. move his contract. There's plenty Kyle, of teams out there. To. You know, Kyle Anderson. And, and I'm, if I see one more person mention Dylan Brooks in a trade, I'm driving to their house and throat <laughs> punching them, bro. What does he have to do? Yeah, I, like, I, this man I was on people all day yesterday. <laughs> and, and just watch like the development, the changes of him from last year to this year. If you can't see the growth, and then in the post game presser, the number one thing that coach Jenkins said that he liked about Dylan Brooks is his coachability. He said he, he is coachable. Dylan it's Brooks a, is not old and his contract up, is great, dude. Yeah. Somebody brought up, a, somebody brought up a, a deal yesterday and, and it was Jalen Brown. I love Jalen Brown. I've always thought for the last couple of years that if any way the Grizz could get Jason, I love Jason, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Both of those are like dream guys for this team for me I, I just think they're great fits but it was like db i can't remember who else it was a lot of a lot of stuff and i'm like i'm just i, I Jalen brown might be better than db but i i'm just i don't want to give up db right now after what what we saw and, and improvement that he's made the work ethic and like you said Taylor Jenkins say how coachable he is i just think and the guys love him john loves him jared loves him they love playing with him he brings this Edge to this team that, that a lot of other guys don't don't have, and I think they kind of yeah. feed off you of that. You, just, it, you don't that, want to lose that right now. That exactly what you just said is why I'm keeping Dylan Brooks. You you can trade Jalen Brown offensively, the things that he brings, like, and Jalen's a, a pretty good defender as well. But he can't play the villain like Dylan. No, can. he can't. He, he is not going to be the antagonist in the series. That is not Jalen Brown. You move Dylan Brooks off of this roster, you have nobody that's doing that. And go back and find me a championship team that didn't have an antagonist on it. Go back and find me one, and I, I would, I'd be willing to bet you anything that you want to bet that you cannot find an NBA champion that didn't have an antagonist on it. I mean, most yeah, most really good teams, even even really good teams have. I mean, was it Tony yeah. Allen? You go back in the day, a guy like Dennis Rodman. I mean, these these Draymond like people Green say, for the Draymond Green, you know, these yeah, quote unquote man. crazy guys, and what people say, you gotta you gotta have one of those type of guys because it just brings you a different edge that these other guys don't do. It's just something about them, and 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 I love Dylan. And he loved the role so much. You can. It was one play I think um, 
I can't remember that, what, what game. I think that's game two, uh, where he had got kind of got. I think no, I'm I'm thinking about Donovan Mitchell. This was actually in one of the Portland games um, in, in the regular season where he had yeah he made uh, Dane was like talking back with him. They was at the free throw line and he looked over at John like winked because he knew he had him. Like he's in these guys guys heads. I'm like I mean, and that's something that you that you need. And again, I mean, you get rid of him and you don't have that anymore. Jalen Brown's not going to bring that to this team. So I'm, I don't want to move DB right now. It would have to be, uh, you would have to be getting a, a, a superstar player in order for me to really want to include Dylan Brooks in the package right now. I'm, I'm telling you this student and, and people are going to give me crap because of this. There is not a player that is going to be available for trade that I'm willing to move Dylan Brooks for. There's not. And, and that's, I'm not saying that Dylan Brooks is better than Jalen Brown or Jason. Jason Tatum's not going to be available. If, if Boston decides to move Jason Tatum, th- dude, we can send everybody I, I, but John. Oh, yeah, yeah. They can have thing. a whole damn farm, brother. <laughs> they can have everything. Oh, man, I love Tatum but, but so much. Out of people that would legitimately be available. Yeah, there's nobody out there. there. There's nobody that I'm – I you cannot give me Bradley Bill for Dylan Brooks. No, I mean, and is, I'm, is not, I'm not a big Bill? fan of Bradley Bill on this team anyway. I mean, a lot of yeah. people talk about that. I just don't think he's not the right guy. He's going to cost you too much, and he's not going to mm-hmm. what, you, what, what you gonna, what it's going to take to get him when he comes back is not, not going to be enough on this team to get you over the hump. I don't think yeah. he's just not that that guy. That, it's, it's, exactly right, I'm the same way. I I want to see them get a playing veteran. I do. You know, you and I have talked about that, and, and I mentioned Harrison Barnes. And I think that you could get him from Sacramento and you would need, they would have to pick up the justice Winslow deal and kind of include him in that trade for the salary match. Uh, I don't know what exactly that the, the, the Kings would be looking for to get Harrison Barnes, but he's a guy that's good defensively. He can shoot the three. He plays well on both ends of the ball and he's been there before. So, you know, that there, there are a number of different guys that are out there. I've been kind of, scrolling through and looking at teams who knows what happens with this Portland team. Maybe they decide to blow it up. Robert Covington is another playing veteran that would be great for this team. There's a lot of guys out there that the Grizzlies could possibly go get. Who are they going to get? I have no idea, but that's the fun of the off season. We get the brainstorm, we get the armchair GM and and try to be like, okay, what's going to happen. And then if we happen to get lucky and that's who they get, we're like, hi, we called it. Yeah. So let's run through this roster, man. I know this is something you wanted to do. Who do you want to start with? Let, uh, we'll go top to bottom. We're going to cover all 15 guys here. Yeah, go to course. Start at the, the end of the snake, man, John Morant. And yeah. you, you look back at, at his season and total body work, man, had that great opening game. Uh, I think it was against San Antonio. Um, had a great, great opening game. Uh, did go down early in the season. And there was a point in this season uh, that if you had asked me, to compare his year one to year two, I would say he regressed. Uh, we didn't get as much four-quarter jaw at, at points in this season. But you kind of look here at the end, and he's done some things in, in late in games where he put this team on his back. I mean, you see what he's done on the big stage that go north of anything that he did last season. And so when I look at it, I think, again, there were some points where you wanted more from him in the middle of the season. I don't know if it was fatigue, coming back from the injury, or, or what have you, but Late in the season, I think he's shown that, uh, and we talked about this last episode, that his ceiling is, I mean, I, I don't even know if he has a ceiling. I think it's off the charts what he could be 
two, three, four years down the line from now. And I think mm-hmm. his playoff was born to be 47 points in, in one game, just going berserk um, and, and just on a national stage showing, making his arrival, uh, showing that he could can be that top five point guard that he kind of kind of said on TNT uh, on the inside the NBA. So I, I, looking at the last season, I'm just encouraged as I've ever been. I mean, the ceiling is through the roof. And I, and I mean, I, I can't wait to watch him and continue to cover this team and be a fan and watch him mature. I mean, that's basically my, my thoughts on him. I mean, there, there are no words really that you can put it into. He's just been phenomenal. Yeah, man, just great stuff. And, and I'm with you on that. There were times that he did struggle this season and you wondered if it was regression that I, I know in, in the second half of the season, he seemed to be much better. And what's crazy is the, the schedule was so nuts. There were so many games for the Grizzlies. They didn't have back-to-back nights off. After the All-Star break, the first time the Grizzlies had back-to-back nights off was playoffs. The playoffs, yeah. And, you know, he, he just – it seemed like that got him in a rhythm and got him going. And he goes from – Okay, are we seeing a little regression here? To no, it's it's obvious there's no regression, and then he found another gear in the playoffs, and there's no telling where where you know, like you said, he may not have a ceiling because he has that much talent. You look at the the praise that he's getting from Quinn Snyder whenever you asked him about you know you asked him specific question about John Morant. And he's like, great players get to their spots. You just yeah. have to throw different looks at them. This is the same conversation when we asked Taylor Jenkins what his plan was to slow down Steph Curry. Great players get to their spots. You throw a lot of different looks at them. So, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not implying that John Moran is on the level of Steph Curry yet because we all know that that's not the case. But being – he's not ever going to be that kind of shooter – but as far as talent-wise and where Steph is in the NBA, I think John Morant could be at that level. Yeah, so. I think so, too. When you look at his numbers, I mean, they're, outside of the shooting numbers, they're up across the board. I mean, 17.8 points a game last year, 19.1 this year. Uh, rebounds about the same, 3.94 this year. Uh, assists about – even as weird how these numbers come out, he was 7.3 assists per game last year, 7.4 this year. 0.9 steals both years. It's weird how you come out the exact same thing. Uh, but the shooting numbers, and, and the thing about the shooting is he even improved there and, and showed his work ethic. I mean, he was down at like 22% or something from three. And when he ended out at 30.3 uh, on the season, which that's a big jump to make midseason. Uh, you look at the numbers. In 1920, he was 60, yeah. 60 of 179 for 33.5%. This he was, year was over over 40% in April, man. Yeah. Like, he turned it on. Yeah, 73 of 241 this year for 30.3%. Took 62 more, but only made 13 more. But if you look at those numbers that he were was at early in the season to where he, he finished out, that lets you know how he was shooting the basketball in the, in the second half of the season. And it's weird, again, because with how brutal that schedule was, you would think guys' numbers would go down, that they'd be tired. But that, that wasn't the case with him. Uh, it looked like there was some regression there, but he really turned it on in the second half of the season and even took it to another level in the playoffs. So I, I'm not worried about John at all. I mean, he's the the leader of this team. And, and I think, uh, I mean, we're lucky to have him here at Memphis. I mean, I think we have a legit superstar. And again, that's something that we've never had. And I think everybody knows it. I mean, he has songs coming out. J. Cole has him. I um, mean, his song, Java Ran, I'm on my Grizzly. You got Rookie of the Year by local artist Moneybag. Yo, 
I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's he's blowing up, man. Too, man. Yeah, it is. He's blowing up, and I'm I'm happy to see it, man. And I, and again, I think we're gonna look up two, three, four years now, and I think he's gonna be butterfied all star and, and, and at least a top ten player in this league. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it, man. That's um, I I I don't know. I don't have enough words to say how excited I am to watch what he's gonna turn into, man. All right, so we're moving on. John Morant, you know, we're pretty pretty high on him. He was able to uh, yeah, a little bit off, has has <laughs> some bumps. Uh, so number two, let's go. We we didn't get to see much of him this year, but he did end up playing pretty well in the last few games of the series. Jaron Jackson Jr. I would say that he is, uh, you know, if Ja is one A, he would be one B, or maybe you can just call him one and two. However you want to do that, I'm fine with either way. Um, I'll go first on Jaron. And I'll say this, there there are a lot of concerns. You see different people say stuff about his height and his rebounding, and he should have a post game and this and that. You're stuck in a rut. If that is you, if that's where you're at, the modern-day big is stretching the floor. They're shooting the three. The league is going to that. The Utah Jazz are as good as they are because they have four guys on the floor that can shoot to three. Yes, Jaron Jackson is a seven-footer, but he's not playing the five right now. He doesn't have to be in the post. Would I like to see him rebound a little bit more? Of course I would, but if he doesn't get there, I'm fine with that. I think that he is definitely – he definitely has the tools to be the number two guy on your team. We didn't get to see – hardly any of it this year he didn't get a rhythm there were a lot of things that he struggled with but most of that i'm i'm just attributing it to rust because of the amount of time that he was off i think those last three games of this series you really got to see kind of the best yeah of man and that's you know a guy you know guys are not going to be shooting the lights out every time they're on the floor and what he was doing defensively just Great stuff. I love Jaron, and to me, there, there's no doubt about it. He's the number two on this team moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, and I think if you watch those last two games, especially, you have to be encouraged. because. And I don't worry about the rebounding things with him because he does so many other things well. And I'm also not worried about him because he physically he you, he's fine. I mean, he's get up, I mean, he has a couple dunks. You can tell there's nothing going on with him. Physically, I just attributed to Rust, and even then, he was still playing well. I mean, you kind of look at his numbers. I mean, he averaged um, 14, 14 and five uh, for almost fourteen and six. His rebounding numbers—I know it's a small sample size, but they're even up over what they were last year. They're four point six last year. He averaged almost six this year, so th- those numbers are even improving. And again, I, the shot's going to come. I, I think we have enough of a sample size. I mean, I think that's just timing and, and being off so long. I don't. I'm not worried about him at all. I know a lot of people have completely changed their opinion on him, and I think it. I think it's dumb. But I mean, that's just what you what you're gonna get um, on social media and stuff like that. But they'll be right back on the bandwagon when he's looking like Jared from from two years ago or a year ago uh, when when he starts playing again next year. And and, and you saw that post game press conference. I'm I'm just I, I'm happy by me. He just seems like he's ready to go to work. I mean, he knows that. He, that he didn't play his best and he didn't look like himself. He wants to get back. I mean, I think he's probably in the gym somewhere right now as we speak. There's no doubt about it. He's going to get back, and I think he's going to be the 1B player for this team. And, again, man, his ceiling is extremely high as well. I mean, some of the things that he can do 
in his size, the way that he can shoot the basketball. I mean, just like we said with Ja, I think he could be a, a, a top 20 player in this league as well. I mean, I think we could have two star players on this team because it, it, when you talk about superstar, it, it goes beyond what you do on the court. His personality as well. He has that as well. Uh, so I think we have two really special players on this team. And again, I think a lot of people are too concerned on what you've done for me lately. The guy had been out almost a year. You throw it back in a mix in the middle of a playoff run. Now in, in, in a 1-8 series against a tough team uh, with, with Gobert on the inside. I mean, you're going to see some struggles there, but I think Jaron will be just fine. And I'm not worried about Jaron Ajar at all. I think they're going to be the two leaders of this team. And how Kleiman builds this team around, continues to build his team around him, I think is the only question. Those two, I think, will be fine. Yeah, and, you know, he, he rebounded well in this series against Utah. His last three games, he had nine, six, and seven rebounds. Yeah, so. You know, not th- there's not a lot of guys in the NBA, and as a matter of fact, as we continue talking, I'm going to pull it up. There's not a ton of guys that average ten rebounds a game. That you know, no, that, I mean that's you know, yeah. Go ahead, man. No, I was going to say, yeah, that's not like I mean, like all you have all these guys out here averaging double digit rebounds. I mean, that's not something that that you see. I mean, that, that that's a short list. So again, with with everything else that he does. That's not a big concern of mine. It never has been. I've, I've never understood people being caught up on that. I mean, you have a guy that's seven foot and shooting forty percent from three, and he's he's averaging not like he's averaging two rebounds. I mean, he'll get you five, six, six, seven in games if he's shooting forty percent from three and just being the unicorn. They don't call him a unicorn for nothing. I mean, the stuff that this guy can do. I mean, you you <laughs> this the ceiling of this team is completely when he's you see some of the stuff that he does on the defensive end. I mean, he could take guys off the dribble. I mean, he could. I mean, this guy is special. I mean, he's just had a lot of rust. I mean, been out for a long time. You'll see it next year. I, I fully believe in Jaron. I think he'll be back. And again, the, the rebounding numbers are the least of my concern with him. I mean, because he can do things that other guys in his size can't do. They might be able to rebound, but they can't get out and defend him and and, and guard him the way that that he can get easier. So I mean, that's. That's the thing. I mean, it's always give and take with players, but the rebounding things, he does everything else well. So I, I can I can take that. I mean, you want him yeah. to get you want him to get maybe up to six, seven rebounds a game, and I think he can do that. I think he could average six or seven rebounds a game. And if yeah, he got no, there, I mean that's a I think he, he's a superstar. I mean, if if he adds everything back to his game that he had pre injury, I mean, that's a fantastic player. So I mean, I don't people need to people need to listen. I mean, I don't I, I don't even know what to say, man. People just need to calm down, man, and and Gibbs saying there's no patience with people. They just don't want to wait wait for guys to to come back. I mean, the guy's been out for a year, and there's going to be some rust. Just give him time, and he'll be fine. I'm telling you. So there, there were 15 guys in the league this year that averaged nine rebounds or more. Only 13 averaged 10 or more. So, you know, that that's a pretty short list for the number of guys in the NBA. You know, thir- 13 guys average 10 or more rebounds. And, and I guess that that's – I don't know what people are looking for from the rebounds. I don't know what they consider good. You know, to me, I, I, I'm with you. If he gets to six, seven, you know, I think six or seven is fine. Yeah, if he fun. gets if he gets to eight a game, I think that's elite. That's phenomenal. Man. Yeah, yep. for sure. So, all right, so – now, now we move on. We, we we talked about the top two guys on the team, and now we got uh, you know toss it up to you. Do you want to go JV or Dylan Brooks next? Man, I'm gonna go Dylan Brooks. Um, I think Dylan before this season um, was kind of looked at as a guy who, when when his team developed and, and became a really good team, that he could be a really good six man 
off the bench for you. And that's kind of was the thought uh, among some people with him. But I think this year, especially here late in the season, I think he's shown that he can be a starter in this league on a really good team. I don't think there's any question about that uh, at, at this point. And he did a he did a, did a lot of things this year, uh, improved his game. I think the struggles in the bubble last year, I think he took that to heart. Um, and then we he had, we was doing a lot, a lot better job early in the season of fouling. He kind of got back on that late in the season uh, after we kind of mentioned it. Kind of went downhill from there with the fouls. But the maturity level, I mean, the, the, he took better shots. I mean, there were some shots that he took still there that weren't great shots. But I think overall, I think he did a much better job of, of that this year, not taking any wild shots. And, I mean, he just became a, a player that I, I think clearly solidified himself as the third best player on his team uh, when, when everybody's healthy. And before this season, I don't think that was the case. I mean, there was a, a lot of thoughts on him. It, it's crazy that now it seems like pretty much everybody's on board with him. And before then, he was extremely polarizing. I mean, there were a lot of people that would have gave, given him away. And now he's like probably the, the, the most popular player on his team outside of Ja. I mean, right right now, I mean, he's – Everybody loves him, and again, I think he really earned that this year. Really stepped up big in the playoffs, averaging like 25 points a game, and I don't think anybody saw that coming into this season, that he would be a guy that's averaging 25 points a game and, and being efficient as well uh, in, in a big-time playoff series. So, I mean, he's come a long way, and as he's now, when you look back at the contract, fantastic contract. I mean, I, I'm excited about him as well, man. These three guys, with him along with Moran and, and Jaron, to have these three guys locked up I mean, on, on contracts and have Dylan locked up on the deal that he's on, I mean, I think they're in a really good spot there. And, again, I think now he's solidified himself as the third best player on his team and could be a starter not only now but when his team is really good. I, th- I think he's shown that he's that good of a player. Yeah, man, still people that are wanting to trade him. I, I don't get that. I won't dive back into that, but – yeah, I, I don't really have much to add to that. That you know, I I I remember saying last year I was talking about um him and passing the ball, and I, I talked about his vision, and I talked about how there was like you can't teach vision, but what you can teach a player is how to make reads, and you could see that Dylan Brooks really put in the work into making the right passes this season as opposed to playing hero ball going in tunnel vision i'm taking the shot regardless you didn't see a whole lot of that this season and it was just great growth from him and i think that he's going to go to work this all season and he he learned a ton from this playoff series so he's going to go to work this off season come back next year even better moving on to jv the big fella Man, walking double double. Again, I, 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 I'm not gonna say a whole lot on JV. I like him. I like what he brings to the table. Great center. Brevin, you know, Brevin was on the show talked about, you know, he gave him high praises. Um I'm I'm good if he's here. I'm good if he goes. I you know, I think if you move on from from JV and you don't have if you're not making a trade for Miles Turner or another person that's going to come in that's a true five, I think the Grizzlies see a significant drop. I do think he has that effect. But I just, long term, I don't, I don't know that he's the piece, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i a big fan of JV. I, I love his attitude. He comes 
hard hat lunch pill every day. He's going to work hard. You know he's going to give 100%. I mean, he just has his shortcomings. I mean, he just doesn't have the foot speed to to defend the pick and roll. I mean, and and again, and, and I've talked about this extensively extensively over the last couple of days that it, everything is heightened against the Utah Jazz and, and Gobert because usually it's a give and take always with JV. I mean, he, why, where he makes up for his shortcomings on the defensive end is what he gives you offensively scoring-wise and and on the on the boards. And even against Gobert, you don't get either. Um, even though numbers looked okay, but he was pretty much neutralized in the series. And that's the thing about these other centers that he goes up against. He says he's still going. He's always going to struggle in the pick and roll. There's no doubt about that. But he's going to. He, he might give you 25 points and 18 rebounds, and that kind of negates the what the, the what he gives you on the defensive end. And, and that's the thing with him. I mean, if you trade him, with him being such an offensive weapon for this team, you lose him, and, and you can bring in another guy. That that doesn't really score. It's it's gonna hurt this team. So it's kind of a it's a tough deal with him because if you you need his scoring, but then he hurts you defensively. So you're like, how can you answer that? I guess the best answer would possibly be to have a guy that comes in off the bench that could kind of help with that. And if Tillman was a little bit taller, I think he could be that guy. But I think that's kind of what stops him from being that guy because he just doesn't have the height and size to go up against a guy like Gobert. So it's it's gonna be interesting long term. I don't think he can be this guy, the, the guy for them when they're a big time playoff level championship, championship contained team. I don't think he can be that guy, and, and he'll be older by then, so it's only going to get worse. I mean, his foot speed is definitely not going to get any better. I think he is. We talk about internal improvement. I think with, with him, it is what it is. He's not going to get better in pick and roll because he just doesn't have the, the foot speed. But uh, I love him again. I love what he does offensively. But when you, I think when you see him when we go up against Gobert, that's, that's, what the, his shortcomings are, and it, they exposed it. That's what you're supposed to do in a playoff series. So we'll see what what happens going forward. But uh, I mean, again, I, it, it's a tough situation because if you move him, you're probably not going to bring in a guy that does what he does offensively at the five. Excuse me, sorry. All right, man. So uh, after JB, let's move on to slow mo, man. Yeah, man. Uh, big big time year uh, for him. I mean, you don't. I mean, it took a huge leap. You just look at the numbers here. Um, last year, 5.8 points per game, 12.4 this year, uh, 5.7 rebounds per game to 4.3 last year, just up across the board, 3.6 assists to 2.4, averaged 1.2 steals, didn't even average a full steal last year. You look at the three-point numbers, 28.2% last year to 36.8% this year uh, on more attempts. I mean, 1.3 attempt last year, 3.8 this year. Uh, minutes up, four minutes per game, I mean, really put this team on his back early in the season. I mean, he was looking like an all-star early in the season. John went down with the ankle injury, and he, man, really kept this team afloat. And I don't think anybody, I was a big-time Kyle Anderson fan, even when some people were thinking that he was a square peg round hole on his roster coming into the season. And I didn't foresee this. I mean, he was fantastic, phenomenal this year, and kept this team afloat. And this team wouldn't have been a playoff team without his contributions early in the season. I mean, he was great all year, don't get me wrong, but really early in the season, man, he there was a, a stretch where he looked like an all-star. And, I mean, just brings so much to the table. Tangibles, long, really good defender. Uh, increasing, it was a, a three-point threat this year. Uh, smart player, high basketball IQ, just makes the right play. And I think coming into the season, fans didn't think, didn't know was he was part of this team long-term. And I, I probably, if you ask the front office, they probably didn't feel that way either. But I think, 
what he did this year, I think, solidified him, barring a, a, a significant trade. I, I think he's a piece for this team, at least right now, going forward. Yeah, yeah, great secondary playmaker. Uh, just does a lot. He, I think that you, you hit it on the high basketball IQ, man. That, that is, that is something the Grizzlies have a lot of guys that have high basketball IQ, and Kyle is able to make a lot of plays because of that. Just insanely quick hands. You know, he has a nickname of slow-mo, but you know, they, it's just a nickname. He's not slow by any stretch. When you watch him on the defensive end, he, how many times did he pick uh, Bogdanovich's pocket, man? Yes, like, clean. Just, you know, what wasn't even, there was nothing even close to a foul, just a clean steal. Good stuff from him. I, I again, I, I don't know long-term what they're going to do with him. I don't know if he's going to be one that they're going to, you know, maybe package in a trade or not. Before last season, I was all about sending him down the road. And it wasn't because I necessarily disliked him. It's just I didn't know about his fit for the team. And then, you know, this year he shows up and does way more than I expected him to. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let him stick around. My question would be, what do you do with the starting lineup next year? Are you happy with Ja, Jaron, Kyle, Dylan, and JV? Is that enough shooting? You know, th- there's there's questions when it comes down to it. Is he going to be a starter next year, or is he going to come off the bench and, you know, maybe Bain or Grayson is starting? Yeah, that, I, I that, don't know. That's the, know weird thing. that's the weird thing about this roster is – they have a lot of good players, but how do they fit together? When everybody's healthy, how do you, these guys fit together? And I think and that's one thing that I think people get attached to players, but I think at some point, and again, I think it happens sometime between now or the trade deadline next year, they're going to have to make some type of move to kind of consolidate this roster because I think they have too many good players, so to speak, and maybe can you pack in some of these guys and get a really good player, a great player. And I think that's kind of, what's going to have to happen because you just look at this roster and it's so many guys that need minutes. And I think they have too many guys that need minutes, especially on the wing. And you just, and you got looking at the 17 pick. If they don't move that pick, you bring in another rookie. They have to have a roster spot. It's just, this roster is loaded. And I think at some point that you got to see a trade where you consolidate some of this, maybe a three for one, two for one, something like that to kind of lower these numbers. But it will be, that's an interesting point that you bring up. Is that going to be enough shooting? And and I don't know the answer to that. And I and I kind of think if you with his role this year, I think if you bring him out the bench, you might not get that same type of production. I think a lot of times when guys get into the starting lineup and, and they're getting major minutes, sometimes that bring things out of them that they don't bring when they're coming out the bench. And does that kind of change what what he does? We'll see. That that's going to be an interesting yeah. question going in in the next season. But I think right now. Barring them making a significant trade this summer, I think he's I think he's back for sure. Yeah, I I think that the roles have to be defined, right? So if he's going to be a starter, he's a starter. You know, I I, I think that if they go into it and there's back and forth, and, and knowing Jenkins, that's probably not going to be the case. He's not a guy that's changing no. the starting lineup a ton. So I, I don't, you know, I think if his role is defined, that it can be a good fit, but. It, it's hard to say. I, I don't know where they're going to go with him. So we've already talked about justice. We're not going to go back to him. DeAnthony Melton is another guy that, you know, arguably could be in the starting lineup. Melton is a guy that 
his his shooting improved significantly over last season. And then the end of the year, he just hit a wall. Shots were not falling for him. He did not look like himself out there. And so I wonder, is there any chance that we see him get into the starting lineup this year? Because there there were our next year, there were no indication that he was ever going to see the floor as a starter this year for the Grizzlies. Yeah, my, my, my thing with him is definitely consistency. Um, you you kind of go back to the offseason last year, um, and I was kind of on the train. You saw these projections that he was going to make 10 to 14 million. And I was like, man, you, you see what Grayson did in the bubble. Um, you, you got Justice Winslow, who you who I at that point thought was going to be a big part of this team next year. You had already paid DB. And I'm thinking, do they really need to pay this guy 10 to $14 million? Uh, and I wasn't on the train. It wasn't because I did dislike Melton. It was just because I felt like you had other guys on the wing that was a log jam, and, and he was a one-way player at that point. He wasn't a guy that had showed a lot of potential to shoot the basketball. So I'm just thinking that it long-term did it make any sense for them to bring him back at that clip. They ended up re-signing them for a little bit over $9 million. Um, and I wasn't terribly upset with that because I like him, like I said, as a player. But, I mean, he comes in, I mean, he shot 28.6% from three last year, 41.2 to lead the team this year. Um, he did, did hit that wall late in the season. But, I mean, we saw some stuff from him. I mean, the, the two-way potential, he looked like at times, I mean, a big-time player. I mean, for what he could do on both ends of the floor, um, you just got to gotta get that consistency down. You just kind of worry about that wall that he hit. Can he consistently be what we saw from April from him? And if he can, I mean, that's a phenomenal contract just like we talked about with DB, and I think he could definitely slide in as a starter at the two on this team. If, if that, if he can keep that kind of potential going for for a full year, I think that he's the guy for sure. Yeah, you know, it, it, at one point in the season, he was like top 10 and plus minus in the league. Yeah, I mean, it was nuts he, what he was he, doing he, at one point. He, he, he has... A lot of great things, a lot of intangibles that, you know, he, he talked about um, and, and one of the, the post-game pressers, he talked about his energy and where it comes from. And it, it goes back to his high school days, back to his high school coach talking about working hard. And that's just what he does. But it's got to translate. You know, it, it, he's got to find some form of consistency. And not everybody does that, man. That, that's why that's why you have all-stars in the NBA. And then you have guys that never get to that level because some guys are able to find a level of consistency and some people never do. And I'm not implying that, that Melton cannot find consistency because, you know, could be next year. Next year could be that season for him where he finds that consistency. And I hope it is. I expect him to probably be a bench player next year, but I would love at some point for them to have him in there, have a, a starting lineup of Ja. D'Anthony, Dylan, JJJ, and JV. Just, yeah, I mean, that's I, I what you I want. The defensive yeah. possibilities. D'Anthony's a little bit. He's a little short. He's only six two, but you know his wingspan is big, man, and and he plays bigger than six two. So I'm not worried about the uh, the matchups at all with that. No, not not at all. And, and like just like you said, you hope that's what it develops into. I mean, the, the potential that he has, I said, the two-way potential, the shooting and, and the defense that he brings, it's, nobody else really has that combination uh, on his team outside of, I mean, he's a, you would say DB, but he's a better three-point shooter than, than DB has been consistently. Uh, so, I mean, nobody really fits that, what he brings to the table. So if he could be that consistently, I think that he could be the starting two for this team, uh, even on a really good Grizzlies team uh, that that's competing. I think he could be that guy. It's just, 
got to show that consistency, and we'll see if he can do that for for over a significant stretch. Yep, to be determined with him, Tyus Jones. Yeah, man, Tyus. Um, uh, yeah, the inter- interesting season. Um, kind of kind of up and down with him, and he played really well early. And I think the situation with Justice Winslow, where they the experiment where they put him on the basketball, uh, that experiment ended, and and Tyus really never found his footing again. Um, he, he had a couple games here and there. I can't remember what that was game. I think in game one against Utah, I think he played really well in that game. Despite, I mean, the numbers weren't there, but he did some really good things uh, when he came in off the bench, but never really recovered from that. And, I mean, I, I, his numbers are, are kind of down across the board when I'm looking at his numbers here. Um, just, just the inconsistent season. And, again, I think taking him out of the rotation for that time, I think it really hurt him. And he was really never ever to make it back to – quite the guy that he was running that second unit as he was before the Winslow experiment. Yeah, I think you see that. I think you see him bounce back from that next season, though. I really do. Uh, You know, going in the next, they've tried the Winslow experiment. And if they do pick up that team option, if they pick it up, they keep Winslow on board. They'll have an entire offseason to figure out where they're going to plug him in. And that's going to make a huge difference. Tyus does basically everything that you want in a backup point guard, and then he makes good decisions and he takes care of the ball. You would love to see the shots. You know, he he needs his floaters to be falling. He's get a little bit better from the three point line, and that's all stuff that he can work on in the off season. And we can see improve coming back next year. Um, he's another guy to me. At one point, I thought would be kind of you know not necessarily untouchable, but it would take a pretty good deal. And after this season with what Desmond Bain has brought to the table and we know what Kyle is capable of, you know, to me, Tyus Jones is expendable, man. Yeah, I, I think so. Because I think with, well, you have a guy that's at point guard and starts like Morant and a superstar level point guard, you don't really need a, a, a backup point guard that's as good as Tyus. I think he might be too good of a, and, and that's hard to say, when you talk about it, you got a guy that's too good, but I think he might be too good of a backup for for Morant because the minutes just aren't going to be there with the way Morant plays. And I, I think that makes him expendable. I was looking at his numbers. I didn't realize he was 30, 38% from three last year on two attempts. That's higher than I would have thought it was been would have been. I never know he ever shot that well. I can't remember, remember him shooting that well. But, yeah, I think when you look at it, I, I just think with, with having an elite starting point guard, I think he might just be a little bit – too good of a backup and they could use him in a deal to kind of move on because I just don't think you need a guy that good back there. When when he's right, he's really one of the best one backup point guards in the league and when you have John Moran, I don't think you necessarily need that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. And In the regular season, it's going to pay off, but in the postseason, you know, John's going to play the, the majority of the time, man. Yeah. You know, 36, 37 minutes, like he's, he's going to be out there and so, you know, you don't need – and, guys, I, I feel bad saying this, man. Yeah. It's it, a, like it, I, it don't dis, I, I don't <laughs> dislike Tyus. I don't dislike him. There's not a player on this roster that I look down and I'm like, the Grizzlies don't need him. Just absolutely get rid of him. I'm going to be upset if he stays. They don't have a single player like that at all. But you're going to have to make tough decisions – when it comes down to it, if it's not next year, if they decide, okay, we're picking up the Winslow contract and we're just going to completely run it back. That's what we're doing. 
if they only do that, they're going to have to trade out of that 17 spot because they don't have a roster spot for that draft pick. Either that, you know, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, McDermott didn't show enough and they decide to move on from him or John Tay Porter. I, you know, I, I don't know where they're at with those guys. And to be honest with you, I've not seen enough of John Tay Porter to know whether he is a guy worth keeping around or not. But if they don't make any other moves and they pick up the, the Winslow contract, somebody off of this roster has got to be gone. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely going to be some decisions to make because, I mean, they don't have, like you said, they don't have roster spots. If they're, if they're going to make any changes, either they got to trade some trade some guys or, or release some of those bottom of the roster guys to open up roster spots. Outside of that, there's not really much room for movement um, on this team. They can't just add a guy right now because, again, I mean, you, you can make the decision. I mean, those bottom of the roster guys, Dante Porter, McDermott, you can move over on from those guys easily. But outside of that, they just don't have, the minutes, and that's what's going to be interesting about having that 17 pick. Do they trade it for a veteran? And with the way this roster sets up, I think that's probably the best course of action. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, man. I would love to. Uh, there, there's a number of different guys we hadn't talked about all of them. Probably won't cover all of them on the show, but there's a number of different uh, bets that can come in and contribute to this team that aren't necessarily going to have to play 30 minutes a game that could ha- have an impact and, and be a, a leader in the locker room. And, and I think you have guys on this team that are going to do that as they continue, you know, Jaws leader. And, I, you know, Kyle, he, he took on a leadership role, and he may or may not be here long term. We'll see where that goes. But, yeah, it, it's this offseason when, when you're not in the lottery – it gets kind of weird, man. It, it just does. It, it's we may have, and, and I don't think it's going to be a completely different roster. But some of the names that we love, some of these guys on this team that we love and we don't want to see gone, may very well be gone going into the next season. Grayson Allen could possibly be one of those guys. He has had um, shaky tenure here with the Grizzlies in the fact that he will get healthy and get hot and look good and be like, man. He is a part of this team moving forward. He needs to be the starter. All right, you know, sign him up, keep him here, give him the contract, and then he'll get injured and come back and be rusty and not look like himself. So, I, you know, I, I don't know where it is with him. I don't know. I don't have a good gauge on him yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just like with Melton, I think the question with him is consistency and, and health. Uh, I mean, he's – played really well at times and shown that he's a legitimate player on, on, a, on a really good team. And then at other times he, he just, he just can't count on him. But when, when he comes out, when he has these injuries and he comes back and he might struggle for three weeks and then come back, he's that player again. I mean, you just can't count on him. I love Grayson. I love when, when he's hot and he's playing really well, he's a really helpful player for this team. But I, I think consistency wise, you just, and health wise, you just can't count on him. And I think that might ultimately be his demise with this team. If they're going to move guys, I I think that he's probably high up on that list of, of, of guys that would be part of a package to trade for somebody. All right, we are back. We were talking about Grayson Allen. Uh, we're just kind of going through the whole roster, doing a season recap here about the Grizzlies, talking about each player and what we like from them this season, what we didn't like, and where we see them going. Um, I was kind of done. I didn't have much else to say on Grayson Allen other than you know I talked about his inconsistencies. He'll come back from an injury 
kind of get in rhythm and look really good and then suffer another injury. And it, and it's not been the same thing. So it's not like it's so he's injury prone and I'm not yeah. implying that just weird he, stuff. Yeah. Man, he's just had a number of different injuries in his tenure here with the Grizzlies. And so I'm, I'm going to roll it back to Isaac, see if he's got anything else on him. And then if not, man, you can move on to uh, Brandon Clark is where we're going next. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big time fan of Grayson. Um, I think when we are in, in the postgame pressers, he's very thoughtful with his answers. I love him. Uh, and I love what he brings to the team when, when he's right. But I mean, you just can't count on him. Uh, his health wise and consistency wise, he just, they haven't been able to count on him. Uh, now he is, is one of, um, Coach's favorites. I mean, for some reason, he always goes back to him and gives him those opportunities. But that's what kind of makes it kind of weird. You would think that he would probably be a guy that if they had a trade on the table and, and needed salaries, he'd be one of the guys they'd be willing to move. But uh, Coach Dickens really, really loves him. And, and again, I like him as a player, too. It's just the consistency and health-wise, I just don't know if you can count on him. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy that they end up moving on from. Yeah, yeah, and, and we'll see. We'll see if that is just a Jenkins thing or if that's a front office thing moving forward. You know, you're, you're going to get a lot of cryptic talk of, you know, it's my call from the coach. And, and, yeah. and for the most part, I think it is, man. Yeah, I don't feel yeah. like – I don't think this is a front office that's really pulling the strings. I think they're letting Jenkins do what he wants to do, and, and I hope they are because I feel like he has shown enough, even though some people don't agree, I think he's shown enough this season – with the the adjustments in the playoffs and the the questions that I had about him, that he's doing a great job. Well, one of the one of the things that I I think if there was a, a front office, I think the Winslow stuff. I think the front office did have, kind of have their hand in there with that. I think they wanted him to to try him out as backup point guard to see how they work, and I think they pulled a plug on it. And I think that's kind of why he's not playing. But for the most part, I, I think that they allow him to make make the decisions. I, I think I think, but I think that Winslow thing. I think if anything, I think that was the case there. Yeah, I mean, man, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that that was. It, it could be, definitely could be. I'm not going to speculate about that. We'll go into Brandon Clark, man. He definitely regressed from his rookie season. Was phenomenal his rookie season. Put up great numbers. Looked like just a a, com, a complete untouchable for the Grizzlies. You're not going to move him for anybody because of his upside, and then just did not look like himself at all. This season, there was, you know, he's coming back off the injury. He changed his shot mechanics in the offseason. I always thought that that was going to rep out and that he would look significantly better, but um, it just did not come around. It, it, it never, BC did not look like the BC from year one. The athleticism was still there, but he was missing the little bunnies around the rim that he wasn't missing year one. His three-point shot didn't look that good. Um, you know, three-point percentage year one, 36%. Yeah, three-point percentage year two, year. 26%. Free throw percentage, 76. Free throw percentage year two, 69. You know, just – and even his field goal percentage, he was yeah. 62%, 62% year yeah, one and 52 this year. Yeah. And, and it's not that – 52% is not bad, but when you come out and you shoot 62 in the first season, it's like, damn. You know, what is this kid going to be able to do? And it's the same amount of attempts. He was 8.3 year one, 8.4 this year. So it wasn't like it was a drop in attempts. And I thought that he would shoot more threes, but he didn't. It was 1.1 and 1.3 attempts. So what is going on with him? And is he going to be able to fix it? 
Yeah, it, it's weird, man. I it, you, like you said, he had to coming back from the injury, uh, changed up his shot, and it was bad. I mean, when he did, early in the season, it was rough. I was like, man, this is not good. And then it looked like it got a little bit better for a while, and then it reverted back to when it was, and he just was never able to put it together this season to the point to where at the end of the season he was out of the rotation. And last year, I would have never thought, I would have dreamed that that was even possible. Like you said, we were saying that this guy was untouchable with the upside that he had. There's no way, man, we got a steal here uh, with, the, with this trade, getting him where we got him in the draft. He was supposed to go top 10, and this year, I mean, again, he just never put it together, and at the end of the season, wasn't even getting minutes in, in the playoffs. And I'm, I'm hoping that he can, can bounce back because he showed so much potential that first year. I mean, you have a guy shooting 62% in his rookie season. You're like, man, where do you – and you don't even think he's tapped his potential yet. Where can he go from there? So hopefully we get more of that guy next season as an offseason to kind of work. Maybe he can get his shot back right. And, I mean, I think maybe that could be a mental thing with the, the switch in the shot and maybe that kind of got him crossed yeah. up throughout the season. I think that could be kind of what we saw. So I, I think I think he's going to get back to it. I, I think that they're, what we saw this season, I don't think that's going to be – him going forward. I, th- I think he can get back close to what he was his rookie year. And, and that's what the middle thing is really what scared me about it, man. Uh, you know, we, we, we talked about, um, not in this episode, but I know you and I before have talked about the middle game and how it affects other pro athletes. Yeah. Like and, and I always, and- yeah. I'll always refer back to, uh, to Mark Vanderjack, man. You know, that dude was automatic. And, and then, yes, you know, and the, the, Gets it. Peyton Manning drives down the field, got a shot to send him to the Super Bowl, and just shanks it, man. Like it wasn't even close. And that dude was never the same. And so, you know, I'm not saying that BC is at that point. And obviously, shooting 50% from the field, not a bad thing, just a regression from him. And maybe he bounces back. I really hope that he does. I like him. I like him a lot. I like, like his skill set, everything that he does, I just don't know what was in his shot that they felt like they needed to change it. Obviously, there was something there they were worried about health concerns or they wouldn't have messed with it. But the form that he's got right now is just, it's robotic yeah. and you can tell that it's not natural to him. He His arms look funny when he's shooting it. Yeah, it's a hit in it, it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just funny. So, you know, hopefully year three BC, we see a big bounce back from him. The Grizzlies could use it. If they run this back and you get year one BC, how much and, of a difference does that make for this team? I think it makes a ton. I think it makes a huge difference. You get year one BC and you get Jaron back to where he was. And, I mean, we're talking – and you get that consistently the Anthony Melton that we saw, like, back in April. I mean, we're talking – different story this team just by internal improvement i think it'd be a four or five seed and that's i know that might sound like crazy talk but i mean they weren't that far off from that this season we mm-hmm. talked about how many games that they lost that they should have won i mean even without jaron they could have been a five six seed i think maxing out this year uh Learning so i mean close games is yeah all takes, I, mean, that, I think that's all it takes and, and and if we get all those things to happen i think just internally without doing anything else we could be talking about a, a four five six seed team just but with the players that they already have yeah yep uh john conchar man i'm not gonna say much about jitty if you watch the grizzlies at all this year you know what jitty is <laughs> he is an energy guy off of the bench he hustles he plays hard every single time he's out there high basketball iq plays unafraid i love it 
But at the end of the day, Jiddy is going to be an end of the bench guy. Yeah. And that that is uh that's not a bash on him or anything like that. Somebody has to be an end of the bench guy, and I think he's perfect for it. In the regular season, when you need energy, like when you need minutes from a guy that's going to be high energy, he's your guy. He's going to be able to do that night in and night out. So n- not much for me on Jiddy. I do like him, but I don't think that his role is going to be any more than what it already is. No, I mean, he, he's a great, like you said, I mean, he's a great guy to have at any of your bench. They rewarded him with a contract after being on the on the two-way. And I mean, he's a guy that comes in and brings injury, like you said, high basketball IQ, can knock down threes here and there. Uh, really efficient, uh, really good field goal percentage shot, 50%. Um, for the numbers up across the board, 4.3 points, three rebounds. I mean, he, I mean, he's just a guy that comes in and does his job when he got, when you call upon him. And that's what, what, you, what you want from the end of the bench guy. And I, so I think he'll be here. And again, I mean, really good guy to have at the end of your bench, and he's going to be ready when you call on him. All right, man, we're running long. And guys, this was playing. We wanted this to be a little bit longer episode. We're wrapping up the season for the Grizzlies. We really only got two guys left. I don't have anything on Jonte Porter because outside of the little bit of like highlights from the, the bubble, the G League bubble they had this year, I just didn't see anything from him. Do you have anything on him at all? No, nah, nothing, nothting on Porter or Tilly uh, is a guy that I'm really am with McDermott. Nothing on him either. Tilly is a guy that I am intrigued by. Uh, I think a guy that has shoot potential at six nine and his size, I think, is something long term. And I think that he could develop into something. Uh, McDermott and, and Pope Porter, I don't have any really expectations for them. We did didn't talk about the two rookies, Bain and X. Uh, I think both of them for where they got him in the draft. I mean, Bain. You redraft that draft, and I think you look at both of these guys going top 10, top 15 redraft right now. And, and I think that just shows the, what climate and, and, and this front office has done as far as personnel. I mean, just two great picks. I mean, Bain is a historic three-point shooter for, for a rookie. And, I mean, I, I wish he would even shoot more. What, what, he was at, uh, 40, what was he get for the season? 43% from three uh, on four attempts. I wish he can get those attempts up to seven. Like, I wish he'd shoot the basketball more. X, we know what he bring in and out of the rotation, but was always ready. Uh, I mean, one thing about him is he's always going to be short for, for the center position, but, I mean, he brings strength. He, he's a hard worker, high basketball IQ. has shown the ability to knock down three, so I love what he's bringing. I'm, I'm really fond of both rookies, and I think they did a fantastic job there. Yeah, I wasn't going to leave those guys out. I just wanted to, I wanted to touch on the guys I knew were going to be quick, so we can kind of try and cut that down a little bit, but yeah, man, it, it was the always go back to the pre-draft show. Isaac, before he was on here with me, I guess we'll, we'll call it full time. Um, <laughs> we, we were talking, and and Bain was his guy. Was my guy, man. Could trade up to get anybody. You know, obviously, if it was possible to get up into the top three to get one of those fellows, that would have been amazing. But Bain was the one dude that was middle of the draft that uh, that uh, Isaac really, really wanted, and I felt the same way. I, I thought that he was fantastic playmaker at TCU. He was the guy there. He could, you know, fill it up. And it translated to the NBA level. He obviously didn't get as many shots as what he was getting at TCU, but you're not going to get that out of a rookie when you're the third, fourth, fifth option on a team. But next season, I think that we do see him taking more shots. I think that this coaching staff is going to design and develop more plays to run him off of screens to get him open looks. 
And if they do move on from a guy like Grayson Allen, they run screens for Grayson Allen to get threes. And I think you're going to start seeing that for Desmond Bain. And he's so much more than just a three-point shooter. He gets yeah. credit for his three-point shooting. But, man, he, he is super athletic. Made some great – like, he had some great dunks throughout the season. And he can get the ball. He can rebound it and take it off the rim and run down the other direction and go straight to the hole if he needs to. So, more than just a three-point shooter – Phenomenal pick from Kleiman and the front office. And then you move on to X, man. And I liked him. That I had um, John Chepkevich, which John is going to be coming on with us again for some uh, – we're going to be talking about some draft prospects, some guys that may be available for the Grizzlies in that 17 area if they do go ahead and pick. Uh, Xavier Tillman was a guy that John talked about last season – heading into the draft that he felt like he was the best non-guard playmaker in the draft. And we got to see that this season with the Grizzlies. X came in, and I think that he exceeded expectations. I really do, because a guy with the injuries and COVID and everything that happened, a guy drafted where he was drafted, you don't expect him to see that much playing time in year one. And not only did he get it, but he was successful in that playing time. And, you know, just... High IQ, makes the right play. He's generally in the right place whenever you need him to be there. He got switched on the guards a few times. His footwork is great, able to stay in front of those guards better than you know a lot of big men in the league. So that's promising. There's a lot of bright stuff from these two rookies heading into year two. Yeah, but with Tillman, I mean, he footwork wise, he's more advanced than any rookie I think, big outside of an elite prospect that I've I've ever seen. I mean, I think, and that's. Testament to him being an older guy. I think the Grizzlies really hit on that with, with two guys. I mean, Bain and Tillman, both both older older rookies. Um, they came in ready to play. I mean, you don't usually see two guys uh, guys get picked where they got picked that are getting significant minutes on, on a playoff team, and that's what we had here. I mean, and that's just to get them where they got them, for them to be a significant part of the team at, at different times during the season, I think is phenomenal. It's just a, a testament to, to this front office and – and what they've done drafting. I mean, the first year you get Brandon, you make the trade to get Brandon Clark, even though Clark struggled for what they got him and, and what he did the first year and what I think he can still do. I think that's a phenomenal pick as well. So they've done a fantastic job in, in both both drafts. So, again, I mean, we had this draft with the 17th pick. We'll see what happens there. But I, I have full faith in this front office when it comes to personnel. Yes, sir. And obviously the ownership does too with that extension for climbing. So that about wraps it up, man. I, I will let's do this before we get out of here, man. Um, I you know, I think we kind of done a midseason thing. Let's do MVP, MIP, and defensive player of the year. I don't know that mine's changed though, so this is probably not gonna be anything new. So who who is the MVP for this team this year? Oh man, this is this is actually tougher than than you would think it would be. Um because, I mean, you kind of look back and I've talked about how fun I am by the contributions of Kyle this year. But I still think you have to go with John Morant uh, for what he did on a big stage, the way he put the team on his back. You go back to that game in, in Oakland uh, where the, the, the Grizzlies won that game to, to clinch a playoff berth and, and what he did in that game. I mean, he's he's the leader of this team and his total body of work and. And with, with carrying this team on a big time stage, I think you got to think you got to go with John there. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, I thought that you were uh, I thought you were going to lean, lean JV a little bit there whenever yeah. you first started, <laughs> but 
Uh, and, and I wouldn't have had a problem with that, man. I just like I said, yeah, I mean, he's on, been phenomenal. Yeah, if they move on from him, that you know, they're going to have a hard time winning games. So you know, I, I think that the, you know he would be a massive miss. But yeah, um, I, I wouldn't change it. John Morant would be it for me. Uh, defensive player, uh, I, I you know, I think that this is a no-brainer in Dylan Brooks. What he done against yeah. some of the best talent in the league this year, man. And I, I don't know. Have they haven't announced all defensive teams and all of that yet? Have they? No, they're not all defensive. Defensive team, no, they haven't announced it. And yeah. I, I, I agree with you. That is my my defensive player of the year for this team. I mean, the work that he's put in on defensive end. Uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell just seems to be a, a kryptonite for him. It's a guy that he can't really corral. I mean, he's done a good job a lot on a, on a lot of these guys, and he's really improved on the defensive end because I no coming in, nobody thought that he was going to be anything like he is defensively. That's work that he put in to become the player that he's becoming. And, I mean, he was elite on that end this year. And just Josh said, I'm in a press conference after the Warriors game, man, give him some credit, man. He should be on one of these defensive players, uh, defensive teams, and it would be a travesty if he's not. So he's definitely my defensive player of the year for this team. Yep. And then, honestly, all three of these awards are, are no-brainers if you look at it. I think, you know, because I gave Dylan defensive player of the year, I'm going to give the the most improved to someone else. But you could argue that Dylan Brooks could go yeah, down as sure. most improved as well. You know, Kyle Anderson and what he done, yeah. you know, the, his contributions beginning of the season, not even beginning, throughout the season, the, the Grizzlies got a lot of guys to step up and do above and beyond what we expected from them. Kyle Anderson – probably mostly out, out of any of those guys. I was not expecting him to be as good as he was this year. So definitely most improved there. Yeah, he, he's 100%. I mean, I think that's a no-brainer. no, no brainer. I mean, with, with, what he – the improvements that he made, especially you look at the three-point shooting, I mean, something that wasn't a part of his game became a significant part of his game this year. Uh, I mean, just – again, I never thought I would have saw, say, Kyle Anderson put this team on his back. But there was a point of this season where he – did just that. And, I mean, throughout the season, he was fantastic in the playoffs with, with steals and just filling up the box score. Uh, I mean, he was just a phenomenal job this year. Again, uh, going forward, I don't know necessarily where he fits when everybody's healthy, and that's a couple guys on this team that you could say that about. But for this season, definitely, no doubt, he's the, the most improved player for, for the Grizzlies. All right, man. You got anything else that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, well, well, one question that I did want to ask you, and I put this on Twitter, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, and and I, I'm not even I'm not looking at the score right now, so it kind of might this might be a weird question. But if if the Lakers do go on and lose to Phoenix, or they don't win the championship at all, even if they advance this year, but they don't end up winning the championship, do you think LeBron wins another title before he retires? Mm. So I think he's still playing at a high enough level that he could. Uh, this is the thing with that Lakers team. They everybody in the offseason is like, oh, they they got better. They got better. You're only better if you play the right pieces, man. And before tonight, you know, it might be. Yeah, they probably started to start Gasol. Yeah. And like it's Schroeder and KCP played awful in the last game. They played like 40 minutes combined, and neither one of them scored. Not a free throw, not nothing from your two starting wings. You can't have that. This Lakers team did not get better in this offseason. You got two former six-man of the year in Schroeder and uh, Montrez Harrell. And, you know, 
Harold fell out of the rotation, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, this is in order for him to win another title, they're going to have to completely revamp this roster because what they have there right now is not enough, even fully healthy, what they have there right now. And I, and I had this discussion with, uh, one of the guys, um, that's he, he's with Hootball Gaming, Troy. We were having this discussion, and he he's like, the Lakers are winning it all. They're coming out of the West. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, I've learned over my lifetime not to bet against LeBron James, but I'm not convinced. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet against him, but I'm not betting on him this year. And that's I, I think so. To answer the question, I'm circling the wagon here, but making a long thing short, I do think that he could still win another title. If they, you know, this is not going to go over well with Grizzlies fans. I've, I like Chris Paul <laughs> and, and, you know, they like Chris Paul, like Russell Westbrook. Yeah. That's not, that's not, neither one of those are going to go over well in, in Grizz Nation. Like, <laughs> I, I, I understand why someone would hate him, but just the things that he's done throughout his career, where he started and for him to have the longevity that he's had and be as successful as he has. That's saying something, man. You know, he's he's never yeah. won a title. And, you know, I don't know that that Phoenix team has enough to win the title, but it definitely wouldn't hurt my feelings if they knock out the Lakers and Phoenix goes on to win it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're up 15 right now with 2-2. Phoenix is up 15, 2-10 left in the third quarter. So they're heading that way. And like you said, I don't like Chris Paul, but I definitely respect him. Like you said, for where he started, I mean, he really worked on his game, uh, became a much better outside shooter. I mean, he added a lot of stuff because he wasn't that guy. Some of the things that he has in his game now, he didn't have originally, and he really put in the work. and And I respect yeah, yeah. that. Respect when, that for him. And when he started, like- he was he was athletic, and he was faster, and he would get to his spot with speed to beat you. And not he he doesn't have that anymore, but he's still getting to his spot. Yeah, because Scrappy. he's very cerebral, Smart. man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's. It's tough to win an NBA title, and that is I. I don't know that LeBron gets back. It's 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 hard to get there, and and that's why I, I don't think people give him enough respect for him being able to get to that many finals. Yeah, his record's not that great in the finals, but it, it's really hard to get there. And so, yeah, I, I think that he still can. I think that he still got the talent. The ankle injury this year is kind of rough, and then AD's been banged up. That you know that that's kind of AD being banged up is something that just that's kind of been his whole career. But I don't know that that front office done a good job putting a roster together around him this season because they're missing missing a lot of parts, man. Yeah, I, I think I, yeah, I, I think they just looked at we got two of the top five, top seven, eight, wherever you want to put AD players in the world, and we're just gonna put some guys around them and they'll, they'll, they'll with them two, those two guys will be able to win it. And, and I think it, that's not enough that they're, they're supporting cast. That's not a championship level supporting cast, even with those two guys that I think it shows you that they're not, they're just not good enough. And I, and I think they got cocky with that. And I think it, they're paying for it now. And then AD being hurt. I mean, that even changes things even more. So that's kind of, kind of where they, they got to rework that the rest of that roster. If he, if he is going to win another one. Imagine how dangerous that this team would have been had they traded Kuzma instead of Ingram. Man, you, you look at all those guys. I mean, they had they had Ingram, they had uh, D'Angelo Russell, they had Julius Randle. 
I mean, yeah, I mean yeah, they let all those guys go, man. The, the, the Lakers have not necessarily done a terrible job of, of drafting talent. They just don't keep them around no, long enough to around. develop them, you know. And, and that's why – that's a great point that I want Grizzlies fans to hold on to, man. Look, look at what happened to these guys. The Lakers gave up on these guys too early. Look at D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram. You know, even even Lonzo Ball, man. Yeah, you know, yeah I know. Ball. Can you imagine if we had those guys right now with with, Le- with LeBron, man? That'd be nuts. Uh, yeah, they would be steamrolling the league. So it would be. I I think they definitely. I said when they made that trade that if they could have got AD and and kept Ingram, that that would have been the move. But I think the relationship between Kuzma and LeBron is what kept yeah. Kuzma in LA. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, sure. it, it is what it is. Excuse me, man. I I promise you, at some point between now and the and the start of next season, I'll be over this cold and I'll stop coughing <laughs> on the show. But I don't know when that's going to be. So we'll wrap up. We're we're going to be heading into draft coverage. We've got uh, Simon Rath. I may be saying his last name wrong. He's an at Hawks draft nerd. He's going to come on, and uh, he's probably going to be our first guest as far as draft coverage. And then we've got some other guys lined up. We we will be talking about draft prospects and what we think the Grizzlies are going to do. You'll get plenty of draft coverage from just Isaac and myself as well, but we're going to get some guys that have been doing it that are some of the best in the business on the show to talk to you about the prospects so you know or at least have an idea of the players that the Grizzlies could be drafting at 17. Yeah, I'm excited to, to delve into to draft coverage. I've been talking at the bit for this as well. Not that I wanted the Grizzlies to bow to the playoffs or anything like that, but this is one of my – Favorite times of the year. I mean, so we're going to be talking a lot of draft. We've got a lot of special guests coming on, man. So stay tuned for that. Um, and, and again, man, I, I'm excited. Grizzlies with the 17 pick. Do they keep that pick? Do they hold on to it? Do they move out of the, out of that spot? Who knows? But we'll we're going to be discussing it all, man. So make sure you stay tuned right here to the Hoopball Grizz podcast. All right, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. You can get the show on Twitter at Hootball Grizz. I'm at DWL2111. Going to talk to you about our partner here at Hootball, mybookie.ag. We talked about them last show. They are a great best online sports book out there. More lines and better odds for the players than any other sports book. They have a 24-hour day live casino. It works in all 50 states. You go over there, you sign up, you use our promo code Hootball. They're going to match your initial deposit 50% up to $1,000. Get your free money. Go out there, use our promo code Hootball, and get that free money, guys. We appreciate my bookie. Once you guys do that, Dan at Dan Bespris has got some stuff that he's going to give away to you. So go over to my bookie, sign up for that free account, use the promo code Hootball, get that deposit match, and then holler at Dan, and he will get you more freebies. Thanks for tuning in, Isaac. Let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man, you can follow me at Isaac underscore rivals. That's I S A A Z underscore rivals on Twitter. Again, like uh, David said, go over and follow us at Football Grizz. We appreciate it again. We're about to go into draft mode. A lot of draft talks coming up, so stay tuned for that. I'm excited. David's excited. So stay tuned into us. Until next time, go Grizz. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.